yes, yes, yes. Second Samuel chapter six. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cistrums, and on cymbals. And when they had come to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the peoples, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread and a piece of meat and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one, on, one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler of the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Father, we thank you for this word. Father, we thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you would speak to us by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated if you would, please. This is an interesting story that we're going through today. And uh, what, if you've been following along with us, what we've seen is the, the people of Israel have... Uh, experienced some change in leadership and now David is the king of Israel. Uh, just recently we're talking about how uh, David had taken over the city of Jerusalem 
And so uh, as he uh, took over the city of Jerusalem and they called it the city of David, the Ark of the Covenant had been somewhere else. And so they had to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And so they're moving it. They put the ark on a cart. And as they go, uh, the oxen that were pulling it stumble. And then the, uh, um, this man Uzzah reaches down to grab the ark because it's falling and Uzzah struck dead. So they kind of reassess and they say, well, maybe we shouldn't have done it this way. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And so, uh, they, they kind of regroup and they say, well, let's do it the way the Lord intended and let's carry it. And so that they carry the ark and then David's before the ark and he's singing and he's dancing, uh, before the Lord wearing an ephod <clears throat> and Mikkel, uh, Saul's daughter looks at him and says, you know what? This is conduct unbefitting somebody who's supposed to be God's king. And he kind of gets upset and he says, you know what? I'm going to become even more undignified than this. I'm going to worship him even stronger than what you're seeing right now. Uh, this, this morning we're talking about worship. Um, uh, after, immediately after the service, we've got a baby dedication. We're going to pray for a missions team. Um, and so I encourage you to stay. It's just going to take a few minutes, but it's worthy and it's worth it. Um, but before we get into that, I just I want to talk to you for a few moments about worship, uh, because that's what this story is really about. It's a story about worship. There's right worship and there's wrong worship. Uh, and for we as Christian people, we want to worship God correctly. We want to worship Him right. Uh, we don't want to end up in the wrong way. And this we see uh, inappropriate things that happened and, and somebody struck dead. Uh, I, I bet you if people started getting struck dead in the middle of worship for doing it incorrectly... <laughs> you would start worshiping correctly. And say, remember sister so-and-so and how she got killed in Wednesday night service? Don't do what she did. You start paying attention, you'd be worshiping God correctly. Um, I, I titled the sermon, uh, Indiana Jones Was Right, which I think is a really good sermon title. Uh, say, say, I made it, of course I think it's awesome. Uh, say amen if you've seen Indiana Jones. Amen. Amen. Some of you young kids probably haven't. God, parents, teach them in the way. Of, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I loved Indiana Jones. What I didn't understand until I was older is that it's actually a story about stuff in the Bible. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. The ark specifically in that movie is the uh, ark of God. It's the, it's the ark of God. And so in that movie, if you remember the end, there's this scene where... Indiana Jones is there with his uh, gal Miriam and he tells her because they're going to open up the ark and he says Miriam don't look into it don't look into it and everybody that didn't close their eyes like dude's face melts another guy explodes and then everybody else dies Indiana Jones doesn't die because he kept his eyes closed even Hollywood and Indiana Jones understand the holiness of God and that's why we title this message Indiana Jones was right. And the beginning of this story and the context of it is that the Ark of the Covenant has been moving around for a while. Uh, the Ark had been with the Philistines, had been in Bet Shemesh and Ekron, and most recently in the house of Abinadab. It had been in the house of Abinadab for uh, about 20 years. And now David's bringing it to Jerusalem. And if you don't know anything about the ark, the ark represents the presence of God. And so wherever the ark would go, uh, the presence of God would go with it. And so that's why as the ark was going, these guys were out in front and they're singing and they're dancing and doing all these things because they're doing a processional as they're moving the ark of God because the presence of God is going with them. 
Now, God being God has standards on how the ark was to be dealt with. We have a God that is a God of standards and a God that has demands. And if you would read your Bibles, you would see there is a way that God intends for us to do something. For some reason, people get to the New Testament and when they think that every demand is gone, when the whole New Testament is just a whole other set of demands. Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount has more than enough demands to keep you busy for the rest of your life. Our God is a God of standards. He has a way that he intends things to be done. Uh, it's not some anything goes and everybody do whatever they want kind of outfit. That's not how it works. Verse 3, so the set the ark of God on a new cart. This is a problem. The, the ark of the covenant was never to be put on a cart. The ark of the covenant was meant to be carried by hands. Uh, they had to, there was rings and then they would put the poles inside of it and then the Levites were supposed to carry it on their shoulders. In this instance, whoever made this decision, I don't know, came up with the idea of like, why don't we put it on a cart? I'm guessing there was probably a guy that was, or a group of guys that were standing around and one of them said to the other, you know what guys, why are we carrying this thing? Let's build a cart. Let's just put it on a cart. It'd be a lot easier for us. That way we don't have to sweat and worry and move and have to be concerned with uh, uh, carrying this thing. So why don't we just put it on a cart? That would be a whole lot better for us. And then, and then the other guy's like, yeah, even better. Why don't we have some oxen pull it for us? Why don't we have them pull it for us? And so that way we don't have to uh, do any of the work. It'd be a whole lot more convenient for us to not have to be concerned with it with the way that God wants us to uh, worship Him. We're just going to make it convenient for us. It'll be innovative. We're going to use technology. Because if we're using... A cart's technology. We're going to use technology and make it easier for us to worship Lord and it will require less of us. It was wrong. They weren't supposed to be doing it. It was improper. Uh, Exodus 25, 14, you, you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. See, in First Chronicles, in, uh, it chronicles a lot. There's, there's a repeated story, and, and if you don't know your Bible, that's just the way that it works. And so in First Chronicles, David is actually uh, doing this same situation in 2 Samuel 6, but it just comes across differently. And, and through this part in, in First Chronicles, David comes to the realization that there's a right and a wrong way to worship God. And that however God wants us to worship Him is up to Him. He can say whatever He wants. If if He wants the ark to be carried, then the ark has to be carried. Why? Because that's how God wants it. If He wants you to loop around it seven times and stand on your head, that's His call. He can do whatever He wants. God demand, he's God. He can do it however he wants. Amen. See, in 1 Chronicles uh, 5.2, it says, Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. In 1 Chronicles 15.11-13, uh, He's describing the situation that just happened in 2 Samuel 6. And David called for Zadok and Abathar the priest and for the Levites, for those other, other guys. Go to the next verse. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers of the house of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I prepared for it. Leave this one up here. For because you did not do it the first time, you put it on a cart instead, the Lord our God broke out against us. He killed Uzzah because we did not consult him about the proper order. 
God, what do you desire for us? How do you want us to do this? We, we want to do, we want to worship you the way that you want us to worship you, not the way that's convenient for us. What does it mean to you? Have you turned your worship of God into something convenient for you? Where it's convenient for you. Have you, have you put your worship on a cart instead of carrying it like the Lord told you to? See, see, because the, the, the issue with the ethos of the American church is that we want our worship the way we want it. We want it to sound how we want it to sound. And we want it to be the way that we want it to be. And, and so when it's not, we, we get upset and we, 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 don't, we don't do it the way that God wants it. Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put his fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. These are two separate instances where people will struck dead because of the way that they worship the Lord. And again, I present to you, if people started falling out dead in worship, you would change the way that you worshiped. What were they doing? Hands up? What, what do we do? I don't want to fall out like they fell out. You would change the way in which you worship the Lord. Some people literally have a profane fire before the Lord. They want songs about them, to them, and for them. Their style, their sound, the songs they like. So some people refuse to worship altogether. Now I'm going to kick over some apple carts this morning, and I hope it stings a little bit. Some people don't even like coming to the, to the worship part of the service. So they show up late just to hear the preaching part, forgetting that the worship part isn't for you in the first place. It's for Him. It's for Him to be worshipped, for Him to be praised. It's not for your benefit in the first place. You say, well, I don't get much out of the worship service. Well, it's not for you anyway. The worship is, you know, we've been doing this for 16 years, and I even led worship at, at this church. I've never, this would never be the type and style of worship that I would choose, ever. People say, what? Do you not? No, because if, if I chose my type of worship, I'd want hip-hop. That's what I would want. I would want like about five more subwoofers surrounded. Man, I would jack this thing up. Your, your feelings would hurt. Like, just like, and you're, I can't hear. And I just, dum, 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 dum. you know, what? like that would be me. You guys, I'm so glad that's not the worship, but that, that's me. That's what I would want. But it's not about what I want. I mean, maybe, maybe God does desire hip hop worship. Maybe he does. Maybe we haven't got there yet. But the, 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 the point is, is that it's not about what you want. It's about what he wants. First Corinthians 1440 says, let all things be done decently and in order. Worship isn't supposed to be easy for you. We're not supposed to create worship experiences that benefit us. Wheeling the ark is easier than carrying it. And so we want to have an ark that we can put on a cart and make it easier for us to be able to worship. For the, for the life of me, I don't understand why people, and, and throughout the years, I've heard many complaints about the church, my, me. I mean, it's funny. You go talk to a thousand pastors, and, all, and they'll always tell you that there's always people that complain about the way that they did their church. It's not special. But people said to me, man, how can we always have to stand during worship? 
never let me sit down. Like, well, you know, you'll stand in line for something free for two hours on Black Friday in the cold. It's the Savior of the universe. You figure you could stand for 25 minutes and worship Him. I stand for 25 minutes and worship Him. And then I come up here and I stand for another 40 minutes. I do it three times on a Sunday. And that's your job, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's your job to worship God as well. Lucky I don't make you stand during the preaching of the Word as well. God never desires convenient worship. We have never and we will never dumb down worship to attract people to come to our church. I just refuse to do it. And I've had people come into our church and be like, man, your stage is so bland. I'm like, good. That's what we're going for. How can you put up the blinds? You know, let's make it dark like a coffee house. No, bad things are done in the dark. Good things are done in the light. Let's get the light in here, man. Bright lights. Let's see who's worshiping and who's not worshiping because we're going to worship the Lord. When you come to our church and people worship here, man, this is one of the only places I've ever been where the sound guy has to turn up the, the, the worship band because the people are shouting them down. We say hallelujah. I can't hear myself. That's how it should be, man. First Chronicles 21, 24. Then King David said to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that that cost me nothing. We don't want to give God our leftovers. Give him our best. Give him our best energy. And I understand when we come to church, it's costly. Time is the new currency. You could be doing anything right now and you say, you know, I'm going to worship God and, and, and that's great. That's what you should have done. I'm glad that you're here this morning. And, and, and you give that as an offering to the Lord. See, we don't want to treat God as a common thing. We don't want to treat God as a common thing. Verse 6, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God. And in this story, as they put this ark on a cart and have animals pull it, the animals stumble. And then Uzzah grabs it to keep it from stumbling and he gets struck dead for touching it. He gets struck dead for touching it. No one was supposed to touch the ark of God. No one was supposed to touch it at all. He violated it. He was struck dead somewhere. He lost sight of God's holiness. He started to treat the ark as a common thing. We put this thing on a cart, the oxen are pulling it, it's fine. I'm going to touch this thing. And he was struck dead. In 1 Samuel 6.19, over 50,000 people died for looking into the ark. 50,000 people. And people say, well, that's kind of mean, isn't it? Well, what was? they were told not to. And then they treated God as a common thing. And this is why this sermon is named Indiana Jones got it right. Because in Indiana Jones, the guy's face melted off when he looked inside of the ark. The other guy exploded and everybody else died. Hollywood got it right. For once. But, but, but what happens in, in, in the Christian church is that we, we treat the holiness of God as a common thing. We just treat it as a common thing. In first, in first Samuel 13, 11 through, uh, 11 through 14, 
This actually tells the story, and you guys have heard it before, but we'll say it again. First Samuel 13, it talks about how Saul is no longer king because he was uh, profanely worshiping the Lord. And Samuel said, verse uh, 13, uh, 13, 11, what have you done? Samuel said, when I saw the, excuse me, Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed <coughs> and that the Philistines <laughs> gathered together at Michmash, and I saw the Philistines will now come down to me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. It cost Saul kingship because he did not uh, honor God in the correct way. It was not his place to do that. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul chastised the Corinthian church for making common the Lord's Supper. They got together for the Lord's Supper and people were getting drunk and people were overeating. And Paul's like, what are you guys doing? This is, this is a consecrated meal that we have before the Lord and you're treating it as a common thing. Now, for, for those of you that are married, uh, do, do, do you remember when, when you first uh, knew your spouse and how, how, how diligently you worked before you went to see them? You'd brush and you'd floss and you'd comb your eyebrows and you know what I mean? I mean, I remember me and Crystal met and I would lay out my clothes before I'd see her. You know, I had my, my t-shirt and my gold chain and my, 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 my jean shorts and my Air Jordans and my socks that I was going to wear. And I tell, I get dressed in the barracks and I look at the guys like, guys, am I looking good? And they're like, man, no stopping you looking like that, bro. And they sent me out. I'm putting on my best to look, you know what I mean? I got one chance at this thing. I got to convince her to be with me. And those jean shorts, boys, that's all it took. No stopping jean shorts. She wanted uh, jean shorts. But after about 10 or 20 years of marriage, it just kind of turns into, I showered, didn't I? Can we get you some new sweats? Maybe you need a new robe. This is for somebody this morning. See, some of y'all's marriages would be fixed if you quit treating your spouse as a common thing. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. God is holy. He is precious. Even the, even the ungodly recognize the holiness of God more than the believer. They respect the church. You meet someone that doesn't know the Lord, and like, you should come to church, and they're like, I can't even go in there because, because of what I've done. Yeah. They, they, they respect a pastor more than people within the church that call themselves Christians. I was at the gym this week and I walked by this gentleman whom I had seen before. I don't know his name. We never talked to him. I said, he's a racquetball player. I said, hey man, how are you doing this morning? He goes, I'm doing well, pastor. How are you? And I was like, good. And then he says to me, he goes, do I, do I have to call you pastor? And I was like, am I, am I your pastor? And he goes, no. And I said, no, you don't have to call me pastor. That's fine. He goes, I just want to respect who you are and what you do. And even go to church. But people treat the things of God as a common thing. 
Believers in the church say, you know, me and God, we're buddies. Me and JC, we're good. Come on. Really? Like, is that, is that the level of your respect for the holiness of God? Is that your level of respect for the God that saved you, that created you, that set you free? See, I was raised in such a way that dad is dad is mom and mom and uncle and auntie or uncle and auntie. You know, on a first name basis. Jesus is my friend, but uh, he's a a holy, all-knowing, magnificent God. He demands my obedience and demands my praise. Isaiah 29, 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. What does it mean to you? Have you lost the holiness of God in your life? And are you treating Him as a common thing? Are you treating God as a common thing? Jesus even said in Mark chapter 7, echoing uh, Isaiah, and He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, you hypocrites? As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do you prepare your heart before you come to church to worship Him and to hear from His Word? See, what, what, what happens is, is that people seem to think, and, 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 and it's not through the fault of your own, it's because Christianity has dumbed themselves down and the church has dumbed itself down where you think you came here to listen to people play music and some guy tell you funny stories. But that's not how it is. That we come here to worship God and when, when the man or woman of God speaks and the word goes forth, the Holy Spirit himself is speaking through that person to speak directly to your situation to change your life. It's a, it's a cosmic experience to have God speak through the preaching of the word. But people minimize it and they say, oh, well, you know, Matt's just talking. I'm not talking. The spirit of the living God is speaking through me directly to your situation. Do you have any fear or respect for the Lord in worship in the Word? And, 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 I, and I'm going to step on your spiritual toes this morning, and I'm fine with it. I, I, I'll tell you what really amps me up. And what amps me up is people that come in late to worship, people that get up and worship, and people that get up and move around in the, in the middle of the preaching of the Word. Man, it gets me going. And, and I'll tell you why. First off, I think it's disrespectful. I think it's disrespectful to the Lord. I think it's disrespectful to other people that are trying to either worship the Lord or receive from the word, from, from the word, receive from the Lord. Lives are at stake. Like there's people that need salvation and people that need deliverance. There's people that need to be set free. But we treat the things of God as a common thing and figure, well, it, it's just about me. Like who, who cares if, if somebody does something and it, it shouldn't matter. Like it's not a big deal. But they treat the things of God as a common thing. You, you would never think it well if we're in the middle of a worship service, and I, I wouldn't be sitting, I would be worshiping. And then in the middle of worship, I just kind of like, worship team's up here, just walking through. What up, Russ? Cody, what it is?
me do that in the middle of worship and see what happens to your worship. But people, but people don't care. They're just like, hey, you know, I had to go to the bathroom. You know, I don't know if you figured out how it works, but this produces urine. <laughs> so, so you don't drink a gallon of it before service. I've been preaching for 16 years. I've never stopped the service once to go to the bathroom in the middle of my preaching. Because I plan accordingly. And people say, well, you're legalistic. And why are you telling me how to... You know what? When there's some movie that you want to see, you, you will do everything. You'll, you're like getting ready in the parking lot. Like, we're not leaving this movie. Kids, eat salt because I'm not getting out of this movie. I've been waiting for years. We're going to sit here for three hours with our eyes glued open. And then it comes to the things of God where we have a 70-minute service. And for whatever reason, people are like, oh, man, this is boring. I'm just going to get up and stretch my leg. Now, listen, man, if you've got a medical condition and you're like, for whatever reason, you can't, then sit in the back. Sit in the back. Like, just let yourself in and out or whatever. Like, it's totally fine if there's an emergency, if you come in late because of whatever. But if you're consistently late and consistently get up all the time, it's a trend. It it, it says, you know what, it's about me and I don't really like whatever. Plan. Verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. That's what the holiness of God produces is fear. And it's it's not a fear. I'm not afraid of God. I'm I'm not worried about my relationship with God, but I have an awesome respect for who he is and what he does. It's like my children. My children clearly are not fearful of me. They, 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 we have great interactions. We have a lot of fun around my house. My son and I will chase each other around the island in the kitchen. And he, I can't get him anymore, but he will mess with me. But they never forget who I am. And they know when they've crossed the line. They, they know that like, I'm dad. You're not, they're not going to talk to me that way. They didn't move the ark for three months yeah, I'd readjust too if someone had just died. I'd be like, all right, guys, we've got to figure this out. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. See, here's what happens. If you have truth and no spirit, it produces legalism. And, and so a pastor would be like, hey, you know, it would be conducive to a worship service if you could get here on time and, and be a part of it while you're in the room for the 70 minutes that you're here. And that's truth. And then people are like, man, it's so legalistic. Well, yeah, because if you don't have spirit, you, you, you don't understand the spirit of the law. You go by the letter of the law. Yeah. Now, if you have all spirit and no truth, it produces licentiousness. Yeah. It's like anything goes. Like you can wear anything. You can do anything. Run back and forth on the chairs and, you know, get a jump rope. Like whatever. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to put spirit and truth together and it produces good worship where you've got the two of them together. Yeah. It's got to be the two of them together. Got to worship with all of our might. Verse 14, then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. See, once the heart was right and the order was right and the ark was right, David got down to correct worship. They were so excited to worship the Lord correctly that they couldn't even go six paces without stopping to have a worship service. Before they got it on the cart and they're just going and they're moving. But once they figured it out, the, the, the spirit of the Lord was with them so much that they were just like, man, we can't even move it. 
stop, man. Uh, let's sacrifice something. Let's worship the Lord. And, and David's dancing and he's doing what he's doing because he's just so excited to be worshiping the Lord. Yeah. Verse 13, and so it was when the, those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. People say, well, why? Order. Sacrifice. And then worship with all your might exuberantly. You see, he was in priestly garments. He was in a place where he knew that he he could honor God. He put on the ephod and it wasn't a show. It was for God. I mean, when you see somebody and then people get their heart in a certain way. I remember when the first time I ever went to a church where people raised their hands. I thought God was doing it. I thought God would just magically raise their hands to go up and worship. And then I realized that, no, it wasn't that way at all. It was people actually demonstrably choosing to worship. And it wasn't for a show. It was so that God would uh, just be glorified in their lives. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And David was doing that. He was worshiping the Lord with all of his might, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. See, the, 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 the Old Testament in Hebrew, there's many words that we, we just say praise and worship, but there's a lot of different words that they use for that in the Hebrew. One of the words is halah. Halah, and that means to, to make foolish, to boast or brag, rave about God to the point of looking foolish. Psalm 63.3, I will praise you as long as, my, as I live. You know, I, when, when, and, and I, I know who I am and what I am. I'm a six foot five bald guy and I sit in the front row and I worship the Lord. And people say, well, he's going to be in the front. He wants to show everybody. You know what, man? I've been a front row worshiping guy ever since I got saved. Because I got tired of looking at people that weren't worshiping the Lord. It's louder up here. It's easier to stay focused up here. We used to sit in the front and we were in a church with 15 people. I didn't even care. I've told you guys this story before. Kevin Berg and I went to college together at Seattle Pacific. I remember one time I was in a worship service there and a bunch of kids singing. And at the church I was raised in, after I got saved, we stood up to worship the Lord. And then I'm in this service where there's 600 kids and they're all sitting down. And I was like, sitting down with them. The Lord's like, how come you stand up when you're in church and then you're at this thing and you're afraid to stand up? You're afraid everybody's going to look at you funny? I was like, dang it. And I remember I looked at Kevin and I was like, you know what? I'm never sitting down to worship ever again. Ever. Ask Kevin if he'd like to stand up and worship sometime. Like, hey man, you want to stand up? It's a real story. Kevin's heard the story before. Sometimes, man, you're tired, your feet hurt, your back hurt. And I'm like, you know what, man? I can stand for a few more minutes. I'll be fine. Yada, worship with extended hands. Psalm 134, 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Barak, to praise the Lord. Tehillah, to sing with the mouth. Psalm 22, 3, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the, the, you are the one Israel praises. There's over 300 Bible mandates to sing. 300. Zamar, pluck the strings of an instrument to touch the strings. If you're up here and you see these guys that are playing their instruments and doing their, they're doing it as unto the Lord. And I praise God for our worship team. It's a bunch of volunteers. We we don't have paid uh, uh, worship people here. I've been to churches where they have unsaved people that they pay to play because it sounds good. Man, I'll tell you, I'll I'll, I'll play a a set of spoons before I pay someone to play their instrument. But playing the instrument is a way to worship the Lord as well. 
Todah, Shabak, to address with a loud voice or shout. Yes. But even deeper, it's a gratitude for God's deliverance that is promised. Amen. Cry out, hallelujah. Amen. You know, Brother Paul's standing back there, man. If, you ain't been in a worship service unless you're in one where Brother Paul throws up a hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When he ain't here, I'm like, give me a hallelujah, Paul. You know? And you tell, when Paul does it, it comes from the Spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost in my gut. I'm like, whoo, hallelujah, let's go. Because hallelujah can't be translated. It, it, it must be transliterated. Hallel means to boast or brag, jah, short name for God. And it's an outcry for someone who is excited about God. Maybe you're not as excited about God as you should be. Maybe you forgot that he saved you. He set you free. He delivered you. Maybe you forgot what he's, the blessings that he's given you in your life. Where are you at with your worship? What do you think about and how do you act in worship? You don't have to act like me, be you. You might be a little bit more exuberant. You might be a little bit more reserved. Worship is collective. Our rule is don't hit anyone. Okay? You got to have decency in it though. There's got to be order. No barking. No, You know what I mean? But I don't see any Bible words for holding a cup of coffee with your hand in your pocket. I just don't, man. And people say, well, I don't worship that way. Dude, there's got to be some sort of way that you worship that's reverent and recognizes the holiness of God and, 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 and takes you out of yourself. And it's got to be a whole lot more than your hands in your pockets with your mouth open watching the show. Mark 12, 30, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Is that your heart when you're in worship, when you gather with the church? Because here's the last part of it. Don't let other people stop you from worshiping. Verse 20, now how glorious was the king of Israel today. Verse 22, and I will be even more undignified with this. David didn't care what Mikkel said about him. He was like, you know what? I'm going to worship God. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm worshiping God. I don't care what you're doing. You don't like what I did then. I'm even going to become more undignified because I don't even care what you say about me. Isaiah 51, 7, listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men nor be afraid of their insults. If what people are thinking about you is affecting your worship, you need to just worship God in the assembly and quit worrying about what people are going to say about you. 1 Corinthians 4.10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Friend, it is for an audience of one and no one else. Amen. I'm going, to cl- I'm going to close this sermon a little bit different than we usually do because there's this song. And don't worry, we're still on time, all you time watchers. But I want, here's what I want you to do. This is a, this is a lyric video, but it also, uh, if you want to look at the lyrics, you can just close your eyes. But I, what I want to invite you to do is I want you to just listen to the words to, these so- to this song. And I want you to reflect and think about the worship that you offer God and think about what kind of worship that you want to offer him.